The show that doesn't grab them by the but does occasionally kick them in the ball. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show on the Pacifica Radio Network. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show all the way from the city of Bukalani, Hawaii. Aloha. Welcome to it. Boy, do we have a lot of stuff to catch up on today, including headlines from people we haven't been talking about and the story everybody's talking about and the implications for our culture as a whole. Before we get into all of that, some brief introductions are in line. Welcome to my humble little abode. My name is Shaggy Jenkins, critical thinker, problem solver, guy just left of normal and sane, but always centered in common sense and found online at my website, shaggyjenkins.com, or wherever fine social media is trolled and picked over by the NSA and Russian bots at Shaggy Live. Uh, joining me all the way from a city that I, I used to think was actually a person that hung out with the man uh, from Chico, California, please welcome correspondents Friday Love and Sir Kit. Greetings. Good evening. Thank you for having Hi. us, kind sir. Always appreciated. Yes. Oh, man. Okay. So before we get into our headlines, um, let's just kind of have an overall pulse check, shall we? Because most of the time when we get on this show, we dive right into stuff. And, and Sir Cat, you're new to the show, and we haven't really uh, uh, kind of gotten a bearing on where we all feel. This, this week, mm. it's it's kind of been more apparent than normal that Donald Trump is on the attack for the media, including the White House having to kind of correct one of their transcripts that said the president basically told a female reporter, I know you're not thinking. So this is the thing. Guys, before we get into our, our, our stories of the day, as far as being the newest correspondents on the show, mm-hmm. uh, how do you feel about your whole role in this warfare, apparently between free media and a White House administration? Mm. Wow, that's uh, a really, really deep and, and very personal question um, to answer. And I, you know... Immediately, I feel like it is um, my job as first as a human being and as a woman to protect those rights because um, and, and, and to be a vocal, I would say, advocate um, so that, you know, we try and hold some kind of balance in the middle of this conversation or against this this battle against free speech. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think, yeah, it's, you know, it's a a really hard place to be in um, where, you know, I feel like um, the course of where we've been going for the last couple of years, um, our freedom of speech has been trumped on and, you know, we're hearing. um, Trumped on, I like that. Yeah, trumped on. Um, We're hearing, you know, uh, Amy uh, on uh, Democracy Now! talking about how things are, it feels like it's getting tighter, the squeeze, um, the misinformation, the misinformed um, people who are misinforming other communities uh, is is going rampant. And so, yeah, I am uh, deeply disturbed by uh, the fact that there is um, uh an absolute charge on the freedom of speech, but I also feel um, very personally responsible to be an advocate for it and to utilize my freedom of speech to empower um, my fellow uh, homo sapiens. Yeah, what about you, Friday? 
Uh, I echo Sir Cat's thoughts and feelings, and I have my own, like, <laughs> I feel like a true uh, front lines uh, warrior. I feel like mm. I'm actually standing up. So, for instance, um, I mean, we got, I don't want to get too deep on this, but in a general <laughs> sense, people try and get on me about voting. Yeah. and how important it is. And I feel like me speaking on this show is so much more important than me going to vote. Wow. Uh, well, yeah. the thing is, is that a lot of people, when we talk about those speaking now, they've had a couple of different areas to speak out on. And, and this is one of the things that I think we should start off with first. Some people mm -hmm. feel so inclined that their rights are getting infringed upon that they're, mm -hmm. they're speaking out in higher and higher numbers. But it turns mm -hmm. out that the person that's doing the most speaking out about the plight of his white people this week is Donald Trump Jr.? Man, I, cannot, I can't even express how offended I am at everything that I just read. Like every single thing that came out of his mouth just incenses me. Okay, Sir Cat, I got to ask you a very basic question mm -hmm. because sure. you're the you're the new one on the show and I, I like to think <laughs> that that we're all pretty savvy about headlines. Exactly how loud is the dog whistling right now coming out from DJ Trump? Oh my goodness. Oh. <laughs> Sound the alarm. Lord have mercy. Um, you know, the the dog I mean, is is it really? I mean, things are still happening. I I I I, it's hard to answer that question, you know, with a straight face and feeling like you're giving a real authentic answer because of the um, constant battle between tweets on Twitter, uh, what's being, um, you know, fed uh, and, and produced by the media, by Fox News and, and gaps of information being left out. Or uh, you know, information guy, that hasn't been verified. I mean, is, is the dog me whistle. He's fearing for his sons. Yeah, yeah. The, some of the most powerful being he is some of the, his offspring. Some of the most powerful beings on the planet. Mm -hmm. He's trying to tell me that he somehow fears for their ability to still control things, destroy people's lives hold people in hostage, keep people in slavery. It's lunacy. It's absolutely actually, lunacy. you know, you know, actually there that ha it probably does stem from fear. And 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 then being in a place They know in a for position. a fact we should come for them in droves. Yeah. Well, this is the thing too, guys, because Donald Trump Sr. seems to be on this different kick with worrying about men across the country and we'll talk about which men he's worried about. But when it comes to Donald Trump Jr., he has decided that because nobody is paying attention to him, that he can go deeper and deeper into this kind of Wild West makeover that he's he's going through. Have you yeah. noticed a certain twang to his thing lately? I haven't personally, but now that you bring it up, I'll be looking for it. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like he's trying to switch it up, but in in some sorts to seem maybe even more human esque. I I, I don't know or more. To whom? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. Let's I, not I know. forget and, that not too long ago there was the infamous Instagram picture that looked more like bot than man. Uh, 
Yeah, yes. that's true. Well, you know, a, a machine is, yeah, that it's, it, I think it's a contribution or, or a collection Here's, of his life experience and yes. uh, his lack of being really in touch with reality. So, so let's, let's talk about, that's perfect. Thank you so much, Sir Kent. Mm -hmm. So the lead in for this is let's talk about life experience. And if your life experience includes raping people in high school, mm -hmm. you deserve to suffer for the rest of your life. True. <laughs> and let's just yes. go ahead and say yeah. that, look, and I mean, here's the thing. Besides his father's kind of misogyny and dog mm -hmm. whistling, Donald Trump Jr. seems to be getting away with saying a lot more under a lot less spotlight. So... Here's the question I kind of want to pose to both of you. Is he trying to strengthen up his own base right now? Hmm. Wow. That thought hadn't occurred to me personally. But yeah. once again, now that you bring it up, I'm going to definitely think on it and be hyper aware for looking for it. I mean, I really consider this whole thing to be like, um, this isn't even a ploy for uh, more publicity. This yeah. is a uh, the undermining of people who have every right to bring up their remorse. See what it is is this is remnants this, of his conscience. This is this is that, why the reason why I have to advocate for this is because if I let somebody get away with something, if someone can be held accountable for something forty years ago, mm -hmm. well, maybe they can be held accountable for something one hundred and eighty years ago, maybe two hundred mm. years ago, maybe eight hundred years ago on a boat. I'm just saying. It'd be fantastic if, if reparations just start pouring out of the White House. Okay, Killmonger, but here's exactly. the thing. I know. Yo, yo, I'm going to take this mask. I'm kind of feeling this. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to wearing masks, though, Donald Trump Jr. has tried to wear two of them. One serious kind of, I'm the son that doesn't look like Beavis. You can take me serious, Trump Jr., an ambassador for the brand and as well as the administration, openly. Yes. But when it comes to the things that he's doing on his own Instagram account, the things that he's writing on his Twitter account, and the kind of small rallies where he says some pretty, well, let's just go ahead and say far out there things, Donald Trump Jr. seems to be enjoying a lack of limelight right now, doesn't he? He does. He's like, let me see how much I can actually get away with. <laughs> it does seem um, like that. And, yeah, I mean. I don't know, man. From this, Anybody yeah. who uses the word weaponize in reference to people uh, coming to you with uh, accusations of rape. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah, that just raises the hairs on the back of my neck immediately. Now, okay, because in just a sec, we have got to talk about Donald Trump's statements about Mrs. Ford and her testimony in the Senate. But getting back to Donald Trump Jr., this is something that I kind of want to pose to you. When it comes to comparing son to father, how do you guys see Donald Trump stacking up? Donald Trump Jr., I mean. Mm -hmm. Oh, I mean, I absolutely—I I mean— Okay, I, I feel like unequivocally, you know, because of the era and the status that, uh, you know, our president, Donald Trump, um, you know, how he grew up, I'm sure that has bled over to uh, how his Donald Trump Jr., um, you know, perceives women, 
his social interactions um, in social settings. I mean, you know, it's, you, you do fall, you don't fall that far from, from the apple tree, right? You I fall mean, into the basket. That's what I'm saying. Basket, you don't even fall from the tree. If your daddy is Donald Trump, you yeah. fall in the basket. Yeah. And then he rubs you around with the oh, other boy. apples and oh, makes sure that you get oh, apple boy. juice all over Lord yourself. Like, it's mm. going to happen. Mm. Yeah, because, look, this is what he says. He goes, <clears throat> this is Donald Trump Jr. Uh, according to comments that he, he was asked in reaction to Christine Blasey Ford's sexual assault allegations, he goes, quote, I've got boys and I've got girls, and when I see what's going on right now, it's scary. Now, I want to ask you exactly what is scary about this situation to Donald Trump Jr. with his sons and his daughters. If his sons are held accountable uh -huh. for what they do in high school mm -hmm. when they're in their 30s, mm -hmm. no one in their family will not be in jail. And that's the problem. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about rape culture. These people live in, yes. in the 16 yes. Candles era. All, every, anybody who falls asleep could fall victim. That's how they live. Okay. Yeah, I'll give it to you there. This is the thing, too. When he says that he's afraid for the sons and daughters, Sir Kett, which mm -hmm. one is he more afraid for? Oh, I mean, he uh, he said sons first and daughters second. Um, but yeah, I'm sure I, I, that comment uh, leads me to believe that he's concerned about accusations that might impact the success or the status of his sons or himself or himself uh, or implies himself of things, inappropriate behavior and violations that uh, could come uh, to the surface that happened years, you know, before and that impacts your future or in the present for that matter. So I do think he's speaking to his sons first. Um, it's unfortunate because he doesn't even really, have daughters. He doesn't have daughters. No. This man does not he think says, about who he is. Oh, I see he what has, you're saying. He has daughters. Oh, he has daughters. Okay. But this is exactly like um, in so many other cases mm -hmm. where the only real issue is if your son gets married. Mm -hmm. Who will your son? It's great right, that right, you right. have daughters and you wonder who okay. they might marry. But what you're worried about is who your son And marry. you know what? That's really unfortunate because it, it really leads me to one, um, you know, the whole miseducation about that boys are also victims of sexual abuse and yep. sexual assault. And so um, we need to be concerned about our boys and our girls equally. Our children and parents in our community need to be informed that any inappropriate behavior uh, with children is unacceptable and should be uh, a concern and dealt with. I or heard any actions I during heard high school or that you know, you're a man and you were inappropriately after. touched at a certain age, you mm -hmm. stopped developing at that age. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we all know that Donald Trump and Donald Trump Jr. have been horribly abused. Oh, no. No, okay, okay. At, at six to eight years old. <laughs> right? I, I mean, there is a little bit of arrested development there, but only when it comes to societal norms, because these guys seem to think that, and, and this is a question I pose to both of you, and we're going to start with Sir Kett here. The question that Donald Trump seems to, well, Donald Trump Jr. seems to be asking openly is, mm -hmm. at least in my mind, and I want to get both of your reactions, um, here's the question I think he's really asking. Why is it that men cannot get away 
with doing what we think is simple flirtation in modern society, why are women so hard on us? Wow. Um, Again, I think that um, weighs heavily on his interactions and his examples of how the men in his life have dealt with women. I mean, um, you know, his family unit, the way that uh, you know, uh, his father has, um, placed value on women, um, when they're, uh, you know, in their youth. And then as they become successful business partners, not so much. Yeah, not so much. So, and, however, oh, okay. And, and, and that, you know, um, yeah, men have been able to do, whatever they want in, in their circles. And, and there hasn't been anybody to say, Hey, and pull their coattail and say, that's unacceptable behavior. It's actually the norm. I think women are, are extremely short tempered with men because for so very long, um, men have been able to do, I mean, think of, okay, let's go straight to mad men, which everyone loves to watch, which I Mm. think is horrible. There's no people of color on it and all the women are treated inappropriate. I don't it's, just a, it's just a whole bunch mm-hmm. of like reliving a time that no one should want to live in. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Be that the case, men used to be able to act however they want. So women's short temper comes from the fact that they heard from their moms and their grandmothers and their great grandmothers that I was at work today and so-and-so touched me inappropriately. Mm-hmm. So-and-so spoke to me in a specific way. Think about how long men have been in a position where they can just tell their secretary literally to do anything they want. And if she doesn't do it, her kids aren't going to get fed. Holding somebody over the bridge like that, my employer is holding me over the bridge like that right now. And it's it's disgusting. You know, this is the thing, too, because it does seem that and, – and let's jump from junior to senior. It does seem that Trump men are very threatened by women that could somehow hold some sort of sway over their future and fortunes, huh? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, I mean, they probably they. Th- that's why they vilify any woman that comes forward. And then they're it's like, how they're dare quick you? To pay off or quick to vilify mm-hmm. any woman who comes forward, mm-hmm. so that, that none of this ever comes to light. Absolutely. These are these are small minds doing small things. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Yes. This is the thing because Trump came out, and and this is the one thing that I want us to kind of consider here, really quickly, right now. The president of the United States is normalizing, victimizing the victims of sexual assault. In the latest speech that he had, Donald Trump kind of went on the attack against Miss Christine Bailey Blasey Ford and basically mocked openly in front of a rally, mocked not only her testimony, but her demeanor, her memory recall, and any manner of ways that he could use to get a rise out of the crowd, the president, ladies and gentlemen, is now victim-shaming victims of sexual assault. He has always been a victim-shamer, and he's always been the kind of person who who would come out of the woodwork to accuse someone, I've never forgotten what he did to those five boys in New York City. Mm-hmm. I will never forget yeah. any number of things this man has said and done <sighs> to stand up as the worst kind of individual that you want to be standing near or know about. Okay. Yeah. I kind of want to throw this in here before you respond. Um, yeah. This is the thing. Donald Trump Sr. basically came out not not – 
I'd say within hours or or at least very, very close to Donald Trump Jr.'s statements and said, quote, it's a very scary time for young men in America when you can be guilty of something that you may not be guilty of. Now, that was kind of a, a soft lob at the mainstream media of, of trying to get this discrediting campaign started. But when he went to his rally, it was a full-blown attack. What is it? About Donald Trump, as, as far as being a woman, what is it about Donald Trump and his leadership right now that should be most worrisome to other women? I think is his brazen uh, attitude uh, as you speak, just to be able to literally even voice the words or, or to even make a statement. It's it is it's scary that. Um, there's a rally of people of men and women who um, would look at their daughter and would, you know, um, do harm to an individual if they harm theirs, but can then stand in front of a man and pl applaud him for shaming um, a woman who uh, was assaulted. And, and, and basically, I mean, your soul is injured. Yeah. And I kind of want to read off some of this before we run out of time, because this is what the president said, quote, 36 years ago, this happened. I had one beer. Well, you think it was? Nope. It was one beer. He goes on further to say, oh, good. How did you get home? I don't remember. How did you get there? I don't remember. Where was the place? I don't remember. How many years ago was it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What neighborhood was it in? I don't know. And he goes on and on and on about her testimony in front of a rally of people. And, and this is the part that I, I kind of want to have a yeah. gut check here, America. In front of an adoring and laughing crowd at each one of these discrediting statements to Miss Blazy Ford. Um, are we in the upside down? We are in the upside down. I mean, um, apples or oranges? Ooh, the level of it's not, it's like just self deception. I mean, it's like. It, it, it really is um, people have decided to regress because they are in so much pain and such desperation um, right now, holding on to the fact that possibly uh, someone who looks like them, who uh, has their best interests at heart, could not be a monster because that would make them a monster themselves. And mm. so instead of pointing the finger um, at the, the one individual that can really take personal accountability, um, they're deflecting it. And um, it's a deflection of so many things. It's a deflection, like I said, of fear and ignorance and, and being really clear that their, their plight, their actual status, their economic freedom is still um, in a really dangerous situation. And the person that promised to um, uplift them um, hasn't really delivered on those promises. And it's just it's it's a snowball. And uh, yeah. They're, they're trying to deflect it. It's just not happening, though, well, unfortunately. Well, this is the thing, I mean, too, because Friday Love, I got to ask you, because yeah. everybody knows that I am, when it comes to the two of us, the, the well, oh. I'm the center part of this whole Oreo. Yes, you are. You, however, being the other part, if a man that was not white, if a man mm -hmm. that did not have the sense of entitlement that people like Lindsey Graham, Donald Trump, Brent Kavanaugh, just the people that we're talking about in general, if a man mm -hmm. that wasn't one of these guys came forward and kind of echoed 
what they were saying, how far in society would he get? He wouldn't get anywhere. And I say, and this is so sad. Do you know what I say to uh, Sir Kett all the time? I say, if you did that, you would get fired. Mm -hmm. If you did that, you would get shot. If you did that, you wouldn't make it home that night. And that's because there is like two whole different levels of everything in this country. There's there's people who run around jumping out of their car really, really angry at the police officers for, for pulling them over and pointing their finger and cussing. And there's people who sit in their car and say that they have their license in their in their glove compartment and still wind up getting shot. It's ridiculous. Yeah. At Sir Cat, real quick though, this week has kind of been the, the 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 weird dynamic in American society where white men are allowed to be angry and they're called uh, empowered, but nobody else is. Why is that still the norm? Why is that still the norm? Um, well, what what have we projected uh, throughout? You know. Social media, I mean, when a brown person or someone who doesn't hold the same uh, status in, in society, I mean, they're they're not speaking from experience or speaking, you know, uh, passionately. They're they're angry and they're aggressive. And, you know, it's it's not an empowering stance to speak up for your rights. But for. And yeah, go ahead. No, they're, yeah. they're telling the truth. The, the, the reason the reason why a person of color can't stand up and be emotional about anything uh -huh. is because they are angry. Yes. <laughs> they, they are horribly angry. And that's why immediately people are like, well, I just felt like he was going to go over the top. It's because, you know, he should have already gone over the top. Well, what's already pressed, about they've already pressed us to a point mm -hmm. where they know we should be fighting back. Mm -hmm. They know something. We're mm -hmm. we're so close to something happening that they're freaking out, and that's why Trump's in office. Wow. Well, I'm going to tell you what, guys, uh, we've got to take a break here in just a second. I'm going to give each of you kind of a 10 second reaction coming up. I want to talk about Kavanaugh. Now, with everything that you know, Friday Love. Where would mm -hmm. you say the temperature of Kavanaugh's nomination process is now? Can you can you turn me down two notches right now so I can start talking like he did in that <laughs> in that deposition or whatever the <laughs> frick it was? Oh yeah. Oh my god. I'm sorry. He was, okay, I'm gonna come in just like oh, this. Oh my goodness. I'm gonna come in at ten and I'm going straight to fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> I am angry that you're even talking to me about this right now, Shaggy. Wow. Why are you even asking me these dumb questions? Do you even understand how asinine it is that okay. you want to know my opinion about this guy who everybody knows is completely crazy and deserves to have his head locked off and rolled up? Wait, wait. And you know what? The funny thing is, is you've over-talked the woman just like Kavanaugh did. We'll be right back. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show. In June, our immigrant-bashing president ordered an end to his own warped policy of forcibly tearing terrified migrant children from the arms of their asylum-seeking parents. Trump declared, I didn't like the sight or the feeling of families being separated. Yeah, bad optic, as PR consultants call scenes of such thuggishness. So he and we no longer have to witness nightly TV coverage of shrieking toddlers being taken from their parents and hauled off to federal warehouses. But wait, out of sight doesn't mean that depravity has ended. 
Some 500 of the 2,900 children who were snatched last spring are still in government custody, scared that they'll never see their parents again and traumatized by the uncertainty of what'll happen to them. Worse, more refugee children are being incarcerated every day as they seek asylum from the horrors of rapacious gang wars and abject poverty in their Central American homelands. More than 12,000 migrant children are now out of sight and out of mind in our government's warehouses, military bases, and sprawling tent cities. And Trump is requesting money to lock up another 20,000 children. All this trauma and cost is the result of the Trumpeteers' inhumane and failed zero-tolerance policy of jailing children, even babies, in hopes of scaring other refugees from seeking asylum in our land of opportunity. They created this humanitarian crisis, and rather than ending it by rushing in hundreds of lawyers and judges to process the asylum requests, Trump and his rabidly anti-immigrant ideologues are taxing us by building more jails for refugees, while also openly violating the law that says immigrant children cannot be locked up for more than 20 days. This is Jim Hightower saying, for more about Trump's sick and sickening policy, contact Kids in Need of Defense at supportkind.org. Hightower's commentaries are brought to you by the Hightower Lowdown, the monthly newsletter with Hightower's take on what Wall Street and Washington are up to. For information, visit hightowerlowdown.org. Warning, too much consumption of the Shaggy Jenkins Show could result in a higher IQ, a better understanding of the world, and not being called a f***ing idiot as much. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show, all the way from the city of Pukalani, Hawaii. Welcome and aloha. If you've missed any part of the show, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, as well as, well... Follow us on social media. Me, I'm at Shaggy Live. Now, two people that are joining us today are just as astonished as the week of news unfolds as you are. From Chico, California, please welcome back Friday Love and Sir Kit. Ooh, back again. Round Thank two. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, okay. So as long as we're talking like boxing comparisons, have y'all seen the new Creed 2 trailer yet? I haven't. Oh, I have not. Okay, I'm just going to... Is gonna, it good? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say, Friday Love, if you have anybody in your life that you value of the feminine uh, gender, do not sit there and show them that trailer because you will be outclassed as a man. Oh. Wow. Yo, okay. I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I have seen people, when they have seen that trailer, lose their mind. And not only just for the reason yeah. that, let's just go ahead and admit... I, Mr. Richards is looking pretty cut up in that. Oh, Uh, dang. Yeah. But, too, is that, you know, Creed is kind of a continuation of the American story, the the lowly underdog fighting back against a system built for his failure. As a matter of fact, in the original movie that spawned the whole Creed franchise that Michael B. Richards finds himself in now, it, it was Rocky who lost a match to his dad, Apollo Creed, in the first Creed. movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he was supposed to be, like, always kind of portrayed as the scrappy underdog, the true American story of the guy that just, he, he uh, tries so hard, but in the end, he doesn't really make it. This is the thing. When it comes to white guys in this country right now, they kind of all see themselves as Rocky, don't they? Oh, God. 
Uh, there's a whole bunch of comedy based around the fact that once a, 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 a non-melanated person sees a Rocky movie, they start acting absolutely crazy and think they can beat everybody up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, but Sir Kid, I got to ask you something. It's because mm-hmm. it does seem like a, a strictly male thing of society. Um, what is it that allows men to kind of be powerful to be ripped and muscly and it not be threatening to other men but when you kind of jump across the the pond to somebody like a serena williams or any other empowered woman especially an empowered athlete Mm -hmm. guys kind of get really nervous really quick Oh, I think then it's it it allows that person to kind of look within and be you know you have to then draw your strength from another place instead of it being something just physically or aesthetically um, you know there. It's like where does your strength truly lie? Now you have a woman who's not only physically strong, who's also just as competitive, um, can be just as, uh, meet you you know physically um, where you know. Uh, in in the activity that you're engaging in, and she uh, can articulate, you know, how she feels. She has very strong opinions about things, and then she won't be swayed on on certain um, issues yeah. that uh, you know compromise her. So yeah, I think that that it, it is a huge threat because often, um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the physical or the aesthetic things that might be happening for, you know, our divine males is not really happening within. And, and that's really where strength lies. Okay. Um, this is something yeah. I got to ask Friday love, because I want to know if he thinks this is fair. Have you ever <laughs> noticed that when it comes to male boxing movies and male sports movies, they're franchises, but I mean, even when it's a white woman, Hillary Swank in million dollar baby, she dies mm-hmm. at the end. There is no sequel ever. Does that ever like bother you? Absolutely. I I am uh, often distressed at how many characters that should be strong um, mm-hmm. uh, leads or even uh, characters in their own right in a secondary movie get killed off in the first movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what kind of what kind of place do you kill uh, the Joker in the first Batman movie? It doesn't even make any sense. Okay, yeah, true, true. And let's let's just go ahead and be honest. Infinity War, Black Panther, really? Really? Seriously, though. Yeah. I mean, you know, Steve Rogers was right there. But, okay, moving on. Here's the thing that I kind of want to bring up, because there does seem to be two different levels of standards when it comes to men and women, especially when it comes to how the system treats us. Uh, and, and this is where I bring up the story of Donald Trump and his New York financial empire. Because if you'll remember way back in the whole heyday of the early 1990s or something, Donald Trump was making and breaking banks and bankruptcy. And at the same time that he was engaging in now, according to a New Times investigation, a lot of shady tax dodging and stuff, he was profiting in the hundreds of millions while a female that was also engaging in said activity, Leona Helmsley, Mm -hmm. time for the same real estate kind of tax dodgy scams. Say word, say word. So, Sir Kett, I kind of want to bring up this Times 
investigation into Donald Trump's taxes. Mm -hmm. And the fact Mm -hmm. that, remember, not too long ago, he said he he started off with a small $1 million loan from his dad. Would you like to hear the actual figure that Donald Trump, according to this investigation, has been taking in from his father's real estates from the time he was a toddler to this very day? I, I did read the number, but please share again just to make sure that um, I, I was just as astonished as you were. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because like for me and Friday Love, this is like Biggie Smalls yacht money. It is uh, $413 mm-hmm. million dollars that Donald Trump has gotten from his father's real estate mm-hmm. empire. Now, yeah. how did he get that money, guys? Thoughts? Well, um, it appears from, well, definitely through the loopholes and and knowing the system and knowing the right people and, and being, a a, you know, um, a white male who, you know, comes from a family of, uh, money and and power. So, you know, again, that entitlement comes into play as well as networking comes into play. And it's, it's really, it's really unfortunate. It's, it's just a shame that, um, Certain individuals, especially males, can be rewarded with, you know, um, and being independently wealthy. And then, you know, a woman who might take a um, just a recommendation gets sent to prison for, you know, a few years or for the same crime. It's 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 just absolutely unfair. Yeah. OK, because uh, this is something I want to ask Friday Love. Um, mm-hmm. Now, if you could. If you really, really could, would you lie to somebody to pay the less tax? It's not that big a deal. If I'm if I'm at a level where tax is something that that is an issue for me, I'm probably wealthy enough to pay whatever it is I'm supposed to pay. My whole thing is the um, I believe the the banking system um, before Trump, you know, after Trump actually, excuse me, uh, exercised his right of, um, you know, getting money from his family, the banks even loaned him something like what four hundred billion or four billion dollars or something, something completely ridiculous. Never paid it back, claimed bankruptcy, and 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 to this day still doesn't like is not accountable for the fact of that not. It, it's 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 ludicrous. It 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 makes me. It, it's definitely it incenses me, but it's also um, the ability for us as like a society to see the, lud- the it being so ludicrous. I, I can't say the word. Correctly nah, right now. You don't have to say the word. But, we understand. Um, yeah, it, for it to be that outrageous that it it's not dealt with, and that personal accountability um, through and through doesn't even hold up to someone who's in a leadership role like that. It it, it boggles my mind. It really does. As a woman. As a person, as a taxpayer, um, as a person who wants to do good things in this community, it, it, it just boggles the mind when um, those types of uh, advantages are, are given. And then when other people uh, take a hold of those advantages, they're penalized. It's, it's really unfortunate. Well, I, I got to ask you, because this is the kind of clever thing. If, mm-hmm. if Remember how I set this all up? Would you lie about the value of things? That's exactly what this Times investigation found out. Guys, here's something that people like Donald Trump can do, that guys and girls like me and you and other correspondents on this show, no matter who they are, 
we will never be able to do this. Donald Trump, according to this investigation, found ways very shadily to undervalue his parents' real estate empire by hundreds of millions of dollars and set up sham corporations so that he and his siblings could disguise tens of millions of dollars of gifts from their parents in ways that couldn't be taxed. Now, this is something i got to bring up. Remember back in the 2016 campaign, Donald Trump said, if I don't pay taxes, it's because I'm really, really smart, but the rest of you guys should pay your taxes. Does anybody remember that? I don't, but that's what I, I vaguely remember something like that, but yes, um, I don't doubt it at all that he said that. <laughs> well, this is, you know, because we're, we're having kind of a week where the entitled white man is having a real big, bright limelight on their whole kind of machinations. And when it comes to Donald Trump and this strategy to, to undervalue his parents' real estate mm-hmm. deal, this flies in the face of the person Donald Trump portrayed on the campaign trail directly. Yeah. Oh. Doesn't everything fly in the face of the person he portrayed on the campaign trail? It has. I'm going to tell you right now. In every relationship you've ever had for the first three months, both of you guys were selling the best, insert Hmm. your name here, that you could sell to the other person. Definitely. Well, when it comes to selling that, look, according to the records that the Times went through, and they went through meticulously, these tax records, confidential financial records that were provided to them, they found things like not only these uh, undervaluing real estate deals, these sham corporations that he had set up, but also that Donald Trump had found very successfully ways to help his father navigate his way to a well, well, undeserved tax rate that, um, well, let's just say that was minuscule compared to the actual money they had. Now, here's the thing. The Times did try to contact the president for a comment because the president always says that the media gets it wrong. Guys, what do you think his response was? Oh, I, I can only imagine there there's rainbows in the sky. And so therefore, you know, the rainbows uh, justifies, you know, light weighs into not paying taxes. <laughs> I don't know. I, I could, okay. you, you know, go ahead. Yeah, throw but, it at me. Oh, all right. Because, see, here's the thing. There is an <laughs> attorney, Charles J. Harder. OK, yeah. His name is Charles Harder. Chuck Harder. <laughs> Okay, but anyway, according to Chuck here, he provided a written statement that said, look, after the Times had, uh, you know, basically sent him this detailed finding of, uh, of their, you know, detailed list of their findings, he said, look, this, this allegation of fraud and tax are 100% false, and there was no, in fact, no fraud or tax evasion by anyone. Now, here's how he says it happened. And I want to see if you guys feel that we're in the old familiar territory of how Trump gets the spotlight off of him. Mr. Chuck Harder here basically goes on and says that Trump, young Trump, back in the 90s, was so busy, was so just out there living the lifestyle of dating models and bankrupting casinos that... He delegated these tasks to friends and family. 
So once again, we see that the president is 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 getting kind of an artificial buffer zone that absolves him from fault. How does this make you yeah. feel? That, you know, that there's no weight on personal accountability and the only weight is to keep a um, a system, and I have another word for it. A poopstum. But, um, yeah, that that has been the way that, you know, the uh, wealthy and uh, this this class of people have um, existed and uh, been able to keep their wealth. And so, yeah, I mean, that's how it makes me feel. It, it's just a strong example of uh, what what's happening and and what not to do and and what to do if uh, you're you're in that in that community and you you have those life experiences. It just seems like a pattern, an well, ongoing pattern. This is the thing because um, <clears throat> I I want to kind of throw this uh, comparison to something that. That well, okay. Let's just be honest. We probably all grew up with, and it's your cousin Rhonda. Everybody has a cousin mm. Rhonda, right? Mm-hmm. I have a Rhonda, a Debbie, a word on the trees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So you know when stuff is about to go down, and you're about to do mm-hmm. some like crazy stuff that you don't want nobody else in your family to judge you on. And let's just be honest, your friends, you don't want them knowing that you you go like that. You always call up your cousin Rhonda because cousin Rhonda is always down, right? Yes, she rolls. Yes, she's down. It seems like Donald Trump has what I would like to call perpetual cousin Rhonda. Hilarious. <laughs> That's great. Uh, it does. Yeah, I mean. Because every um, time somebody kind of confronts always, him about things, mm-hmm, he's always mm-hmm. like, no, 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 that wasn't me. That's my cousin. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Let's just place that blame right over there. And uh, they have no problem taking that blame and absorbing all of that over all there. That and I'm just going to so keep it pushing. That's exactly how, um, you know, uh, the president is functioning. Yeah. It's a Rhonda syndrome. It, it is, because everybody is like, you know, at least on that side, they're like, oh, everybody is just jealous of the that Trump is so powerful and so magnanimous that he can oh. do these things. But, you know, it, it really does come off. This is not Trump derangement syndrome, which, by the way, <clears throat> does not exist, according to science. Um, it, this is Cousin Rhonda syndrome, where... Every time you nail this guy down on some nefarious BS that he did, he's always got a scapegoat, and it's usually within Mm -hmm. his own family. Yeah. And, and, you know, that must be a hard place to be in. I mean, to always be the scapegoat. But I I guess that's what family is for. Ah, That's (laughs) Um, so funny. I I, I don't know. I know. It's kind of Oh, no, that's exactly because every time you would get in trouble as a kid, and Friday Love, back me up on this, you would always tell them, No, it wasn't me, man. My cousin taught me into that. Exactly. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Yeah. And then you know, you just keep passing it over. Yeah. Because you know, at their house, the cousin is saying, No, I didn't do that. My cousin told me to do it. Absolutely. You know, because your cousin down, (laughs) y'all keep your story straight. Okay. But. When it comes to the whole nepotism familiar role that we're talking about with the Cousin Rhonda scenario, all joking and clowning aside, Donald Trump has a perpetual army of people attached with his last name, always ready to take the fall for him. Guys, is this probably, and I'm I'm just going to gingerly throw this title out here, 
Is Trump a member of the most powerful family in America right now? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's definitely um, done his share of kissing babies and shaking hands and making the right um, moves so that uh, his family, um, you know, will will continue reaping the benefits of uh, his decision making. Yeah, because when it comes to how Trump got his own money, this is old money and yes it is and and it's kind of old white boys club money that he earned by you know being a little sneaky underhanded handed with the tax thing Mm -hmm. okay final thoughts on this though guys because i want to move on to kavanaugh before we run out of time but when it comes to donald trump will this new bombshell investigation do anything to sully his reputation with the gop base no I don't think so. I, 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 you know, I'm really skeptical of anything really coming forward unless it's live. He's twittering about it right then and there. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, I'm really skeptical of anything really being able to take uh, this this man into a place where his position of power is hey, going to be compromised. Friday, love is he the new Teflon Don? Mm. Oh God. <laughs> no, he's not the new Teflon Don. No way, dude. Well, okay, let's move on to a guy that wishes he was the Teflon Don because <laughs> let's just go ahead and say that I have never in the history of my <sighs> life, as long oh, as I've lived, goodness. never seen anything like the spectacle of one man's quest <gasps> to get to the Supreme Court off white entitlement Shh. alone. Let's, oh my goodness. let's talk about Brett Kavanaugh, shall we? Because Absolutely. I have a very interesting pop culture story for you. Did you guys hear mm-hmm. about how the investigation this week by the FBI is kind of bringing up old memories of, of um, <clears throat> well, Brett, a.k.a. Bart Kavanaugh, and a little-known <laughs> reggae band by UB40? Oh, God. Wow. Um, I, oh. I definitely heard some some things, and and it was disturbing. <laughs> okay, Friday Love. What about you? Did you hear anything about UB40 and their weird tie-in to Brett Kavanaugh? No, and I'm, I'm like, I'm not a really big UB40 fan, so now I'm even less of a UB40 fan. Like, mm. I don't even know what happened, and I'm already like, ugh. You know who else is like that? Former lead singer Ollie Campbell. See, when <laughs> the former lead singer of UB40, Ollie Campbell, uh-huh. was uh-huh. reached for comment uh, because everybody tried to reach him about the allegation that in 1983, when Bart or Brett Kavanaugh was at mm-hmm. a bar, he had chucked some ice at somebody that he believed was the lead singer of UB40, Ollie Campbell. Mm-hmm. Now, this is in an official police report, and Ollie Campbell, basically, who was asleep at his home way over in Birmingham, UK, all of his friends and family and news outlets were buzzing his cell phone, trying to get a reaction, and the first thing that happened, his wife comes storming in and goes, Hey, what's it with you, this bloke Kavanaugh? And he goes, I love it. I don't know him. So Ollie Campbell's official recollection of the night in question is, for everybody that wants to know these things, no, in fact, UB40's lead singer never goes out to bars after shows. Mm. 
Yeah, I, 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 that sounded like a curveball. That also sounded like a, a really cheap uh, way to try and distract and bring some um, some space to the to the story at hand and to uh, again him drinking beers and him liking beers and and him blacking out from beers and him <laughs> also um, sexually assaulting women after you lots know of beers. lots of beers. So. Yeah, I um, I can absolutely believe that. And um, his composure or his lack of composure was frightening, but it was also so truth-telling. I mean, if you talk to any psychologist or someone who looks at, uh, you know, body language and the way that he was physically reacting to questions and to um, some of the responses, I mean, it was it was alarming. It, it, it was it was alarming. Uh, I gotta, I gotta bring this up too because <clears throat> you just mentioned his testimony where he goes, "I like mm-hmm. beer." I, you mm-hmm. know, we we yeah. drink beer. We, yeah. I mean, you know, and by the way, Matt Damon still. Did you? Did you drink? Did you drink beer? Did, have you ever drank? Did you blacked out? I mean, have you ever blacked out? Here's the thing, because when he was making all of those statements, he was trying to kind of play himself off as an innocent victim. But according to a 1983 letter, he had described both himself and his friends as, quote, loud, obnoxious drunks with prolific pukers. And he signed it. And here's the important thing. Bart Kavanaugh. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. Now, you'll remember... now, uh, judge, when Judge wrote his book about how he was partying with these hard luck kind of guys that were doing some very terrible things, one of the characters in there was named Bart Kavanaugh. Wow. So I want yeah. to ask you, at this point, is the Kavanaugh reputation sour? No. Uh, I hope not. No. Um, absolutely not. But um, again, it doesn't. Uh, derail me from living in reality and um, unfortunately believing that possibly they could still swear this man in as a Supreme Court judge um, because the GOP wants, you know, to prove a point that they can do it. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's disturbing. It's, it's disturbing. Yeah, because his his reputation is gone as far as I'm concerned I, I honestly don't know how his wife and his family is dealing with how he behaved um, the testimony yeah because when it comes to and this is one of the reason that me and Friday love don't write books about our adventures with each other in, in a book from a former classmate <laughs> Mark Judge he had made mention of this really kind of heavy drinker misogynistic well, let's just call him a bastard named Bart O'Kavanaugh. And when they were on, uh, when they were having the hearing in D.C., he was repeatedly asked if this was him by Senator Patrick Leahy. Now, this is the thing. The quote from Leahy that I want to explore is, quote, Judge Kavanaugh, I'm trying to get a straight answer from you under oath, yes or no. And Kavanaugh said, you have to ask him, referring to Judge is he taking a play from Donald Trump and trying to have a cousin Rhonda? Yeah. Um, not only that, that's just uh, good rhetoric uh, and and um, a safe way to not um, get further <laughs> into trouble. If you can't answer a question yes or no, which is, you know, again, it's like, wow, how are we really demonstrating and how are we setting examples for our future 
generations. I mean, we expect yes or no questions just um, walking through the through the door, you know, at a retail shop. Um, were you on time? Yes or no? Uh, that's a really clear and and valid answer. Um, it, do you drink beer? Do you drink a lot of beer? Like Have beer. you blacked out before? I like yeah. beer. I like beer. <laughs> that's I a like yes beer or no question. And um, yeah. yeah. Don't was, you like beer? Have I you like ever beer. blacked out? Yeah. Hey, guys, have you ever been online? Because if so, we're at the end of the show. Where can people find you? Oh, well, um, you can find me on Facebook, Sirquette Sirquette, um, S-E-R-Q-E-T, and do that two times, and that's She Who Breathes, and then Friday Love. I'm hiding for you, Savages. If you want to find me, you'll have to search for me. Okay. For me, you can find me at the website shaggyjenkins.com or at Shaggy Live on social media, Stitcher, and more. Till next time, love you, mean it. Fade in, bye.